well, welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on. We, um, yeah, I came across your post on LinkedIn as we were discussing before. And it, as you say, I mean, it's what, what, four million plus viewers? Um, it, it's insane numbers, <laughs> indeed. Like, we never expected this. We say, like, oh, nobody's interested in the ballot, you know. Uh, maybe business, business people, few. But all the CEOs we talked to, they said, like, we never, ever thought about pellets. You know, it's like a cardboard box. You know, you don't think about pellets. But people do think like, oh, yeah, I like it. This is quite funny. I think people just like things with coconuts. Coconuts make you think of tropical beaches and make you feel happy. But do you not think it also make- ties into the the sea of change, which it's hard for the probably the two of us to understand a bit because we're so involved in kind of the environmental and sustainability um sector but i do feel that there's more people asking me questions about my job there's more people asking questions about what it is that green element does um in my wider circle of friends than ever used to be like 15 years ago i was you know you you were at a dinner party and it was like yeah kind of you felt like a bit of a maverick you felt like oh yeah he kind of he's doing something really worthwhile but whatever. Anyway, we're going to do this. <laughs> yeah, I, I recognize it very well because I, I've always been like this and it's like, I must have purpose. You know, my parents always said the purpose of life is uh, life of purpose. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but now I think, well, it's in, in our DNA. A whole family is like this. And uh, but I think that this these years, this time we're living in are so interesting. Everything is changing. And everybody thinks like everybody wants to do the right thing, but they never wanted to sacrifice for it. And now people think like, hmm, it's not that difficult to to stop eating meat or at least skip a day and eat like a vegan food because it tastes great. So like this, the uh, for for change bringers, makers like you and I, it's not convincing that thing, but it's the seducing things. How can you make somebody eat less hamburgers? Making a burger that tastes even better than the meat burger. Mm-hmm. That seduced that people think, oh wow, that taste is great. I'm gonna have one of that again. So that is change. Because also with our pellets. Yeah, I want to do a better pellets and not cut trees. Now I know that indeed it's a mega forest being cut every day for making pellets. But we make it easy because we make them cheaper. So um so the art of seducing in it can go go the bad way of course, in a good way. Well, if you use seduction for the good, that works. It's it's quite simple. And people are more receptive for that than indeed like 10, 15 years ago. But everybody thinks like, yeah, we have to do something. Because everybody thinks, yeah, this plastic in the ocean is not a good idea. And actually, I don't want to be part of it, but also it doesn't change my life. It should be easy. People are lazy. Yeah. So what? how did you get into pallets? Like, what were you in freight or were you in that industry before and you recognized a problem or like what what brought you into um pallets <laughs> well see i don't have so many talents but, but one of them is connecting dots so just give me millions of dots i have a great memory for like use useless facts and i just can can connect them all so when i received again like a few containers of goods from china with pallets and they're always flimsy. They always break. They're too low. It's difficult to get the forklift underneath. And I was like, I was like, why? You know, I was almost like, why can't they make proper pallets? 
And I've been to China many times and it's not like, of course, I've never seen a tree in China, hardly any trees. And they're not going to cut them with pellets. So they, 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 wood is expensive, it's scarce. And then I remembered I had like this old report from the university. It said like from coconut waste, you have the glue and the fiber in one. It's, it's, it's being burned because it has no value. I thought, we've got to make pellets. <laughs> and then two years long, everybody said like, yeah, it's a great idea, but it's never going to work because such, such ABC. And the technician said that, the university said it. They said like, you cannot get these 3D shapes. You can make flat things. That's difficult. can be done. But 3D shapes, forget it. But I was reading this report and again and again, I thought like, it must be possible. And then I went to, to see some technicians. They said, no, the other people are right. It's not possible. And so that's when I started building the machines together with some technicians in, in the middle of nowhere in China. Because it was built, it was cheaper to build a whole big machine than doing a lab scale in the university in Europe. Right. So I thought like, see, if you do it one time right, you know, we, ha- we can sell these pellets. Of course, that was a stupid idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> <it, laughs> the first pellets we made, no, it looked like a pellet, but still we had a lot of improvements. <laughs> Um, it's it's like uh, you know learning by doing. So, yeah. so do you? Um, pallets are notoriously lost, aren't they? I remember a friend of mine. He was a senior partner at quite a large law firm, and he said to me that they had a new client. It was one of the big pallet companies in the world, and they were being bought out. He was a merchant and acquisitions. They're being bought out by another company, and they were doing the PL and going through all the crossing T's and dotting I's, and they found that a third or half of their pallets, they actually didn't even know where they were because they had disappeared around the world, which was a huge part of their stock, which meant that their valuation was way overvalued. And like, how, how do you di- tackle that? Or, you know, does, does that come into your equation or like, Oh, yeah, totally. See, I have big admiration for pellet companies that have a viable business model because, you know, you make good pellets that are being used many times and you own these and you rent it actually out to the customers like supermarkets, etc. So standard sizes. They have to be strong. They can be repairable. And But, you know, they're strong and they're nice. People like to keep them for their storage. And so the ownership is also a bit fake. It's clear who owns it, but... Also, people think like, ah, it doesn't mind if I use it 10 years in my warehouse, nobody knows. It's going to change though, you know, because from wood, we're going to very strong plastic pellets. That's a good idea if it's used hundreds of times. And you can put like a chip in it, like an RFID chip or another, because this is so accessible and cheap now. So you know where your pellets are. So your business model can change. So you can say like, oh, well, you use this pellet for this trip. It costs so much. And if you want to keep them for like storage, that's fine. I send you an invoice every month. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's ba- the payment is based on the use. Brilliant. It's not possible if you cannot don't know where they are because how, how you can <laughs> keep track of them. But then there's, there's another um, line of business, like about 2 billion pallets a year. It's like export. If you export pallets, these never come back. Mm-hmm. So the only thing they have to be compliant for, for uh, export. So it's free of uh, harmful insects. It must be just strong enough to carry the load, no matter if you put 500 kilos or uh, 2,000 kilos on it. So these are different pellets. One is strong and one is 
not strong and uh, and they have to be cheap because you know every dime you spend on this pallet goes up your 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 profit margin so it reduces your profit margin so uh, three three things so compliant cheap strong just strong enough and that's the market we're in because you need like about uh, one tree to make 10 pellets okay. so if we sell 10 cocoa pellets average then uh, we save a tree so we're going to build factories that make like 5 million pellets a year each depending on the sourcing so that's like 500,000 trees not being cut for and shipped from like New Zealand to China or Japan to making pellets you know that makes sense but um, but the, 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 the brilliant thing about the cocoa pellet is is that because we only use the coconut husk, it's, it's fully bio-based. There's no synthetic resin in it. There's no, there are a lot of things like MDF particle boards and even pellets that are made like that wood chips with synthetic resin. They say like, oh, it's so sustainable because we're using reused wood. It's like 15 to 20% synthetic resin. So it's like, um, it's like a half truth. And a half truth in my world is a lie. <laughs> yeah. You're not telling the whole thing, you know? Oh, we're so sustainable and it's blah, 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 blah. And, but our pellet is truly 100% bio-based. So when it arrives like at a warehouse of a big importer, they just stack them up and they call the, 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 the pot soil company or a farmer around, okay, hey, I've got a truckload of, of these cocoa pellets. Well, this has a certain weight and it has value. It can be at like between two and $400 a ton because cocoa materials imported for soil improvement. To replace peat. Okay. Now, if you want to make your soil a bit airy, you know, you put uh, peat in it. But we want to protect our peatlands. You know, that's very important. Uh-huh. And cocoa material, it it's very strong fiber. It takes about twenty years to decompose. It's excellent for soil improver, making pot soil and things. If if you Google for it, cocoa material for agricultural purposes is amazing what you can do with it. Well. If the cocoa pellets are in the States or in the UK or in Holland, for example, the shipping is already paid for because it goes under the goods. It's sterile because it's been heat treated in the process because we use heat and pressure to make these pellets. And uh, you just have to mill it and use it. So it's fully circular. Of course, it has caloric value. You can burn it as well as like in a, if you have a cement factory. But not, that's one of the uses. But the circular reuse makes sense. But if you receive like a flimsy wood pellet with nails in it, and it, it cannot be reused because it's just too flimsy to, to send to your customers, you have to dispose of it. It costs you money. But lucky if somebody picks it up just for scrap and, uh, and that's it. But mostly it costs you money. So also the importers have a big benefit by uh, using a cocoa pellet. But you know, it's not one size fits all. If you want to put five five thousand kilos on it, you put it in the rain. Don't use our pellet. Yeah. If if like a big beer brewery and they call us often, send us mails like, "Oh, we love your pellet." Say, no, don't use our pellet. Right. <laughs> because it's not one size fits yeah. all. You know, if the market is two billion pellets or accessible markets, maybe two four hundred million pellets, still a lot, mm. and we can still f- compete very mu- uh, very well on certain markets, but. If we have a request for like someone from Sweden for, for a container full of cocoa pellets, we think like, no, we said, uh, we're not going to sell to you because it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You have lots of wood. Sweden doesn't export that much on pellets. And the big demand is in Asia. 
And if I have to ship it all the way from Asia to here, because Sweden has doesn't have coconuts, oh. um, you know, the carbon footprint, the extra cost, they don't make the mat. Okay. So it's... Uh, but you've, so built, you've built sustainability into your business model then. And you... Yeah, see, well, they call it the circular economy. But to be honest, we never heard of the term circular economy when we started. It just makes sense. Mm. If, you, if, if you have a circular project, you say, like, okay, what kind of waste? What, what problem do you want to solve? What waste do I have? But if you use waste to solve another problem, for example, you use the coconut waste that's otherwise burned and leads to massive um, air pollution in Asia. This is like in, in Asia, like maybe 40, 45 billion coconuts. The nut is being used to make like food products, but the husk, the farmers, they burn it because it just lies in the way. There's no value. And so we take this, we pay the farmers, we make a pellet from them, so we, we replace uh, trees. So you, you can tre- use the trees to make furniture or construction. That's more important because these are lasting things. And so we're solving the air pollution problem. We're creating uh, value for the farmers. Makes sense. Um, the woods, the trees are not being cut for one-way pellets. And at the end, it can be used as biomass. So we're actually solving like four or five problems at the same time. That's typical for the uh, circular economy. But if you don't think like that, you maybe solve like two or one problems. Mm. Same if you have a like cradle to cradle. Uh, with this knowledge and this way of thinking, you make a completely different product than if you do not have this way of thinking. So when you start designing a company or a product, it helps if you look at like, hmm, does it make sense? How can we reduce carbon footprint? Okay, what's the the end of the, the value of the chain? What's happening with my product then? Mm. So if you have all these things in mind, you connect all these dots, you come up with a solution that really makes sense. Because if I, if I don't care, if I don't think about what happens with the pellet when it arrives at the end destination, mm-hmm. I'm making a different product. Yeah. And maybe I think like, mm, maybe I'll, I make my life so much easier. I just add like maybe a few percent of synthetic resin mm-hmm. or a crosslinker. And we always refuse that because it would, it would compromise the bio-based character of the material and so it helps you if you know where you're going to it helps you to take the right decisions and these are often not easy decisions because um, our life would have been so much easier if we would have cheated here and there mm-hmm. but so lesson one for us was like never cheat <laughs> so you because it will always, it always backfire <laughs> yeah that's so totally true and you'll get found out in the end won't you um yeah the the, the truth will always come yeah. out i think more and more so because of social media because of um because of because of how transparent we all have to be it's um which is actually really nice but it does mean that if you make a mistake you kind of like yeah made a mistake sorry <laughs> Yeah, but, but that's that's of course that's of course a theory, and and in 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 practice things are different. So yeah, so that's the funny thing. Uh, the but look look at there's a certain president somewhere, and he is lying every day, and everybody knows it, and people still vote for him, and the born again Christians are still backing him, and they're like, why? Thank you very much for listening to the Green Element podcast. We really value your opinion. And we're wondering if you could take part in a survey that helps make this podcast better, please. www.greenelement.co.uk podcast survey. I hope you enjoy this episode. 
the, but look look at there's a certain precedent somewhere and he is lying every day and everybody knows it and people still vote for him and the born again christians are still backing him and they're like why it doesn't make sense everybody knows and so you know human behavior is, is a bit silly uh, so yes we can in theory we're right but in practice we're not so we have to look what happens what's happening in the real world so you you're based in in holland and or are you based in china like no no we're, we're or, or uh, we're based in amsterdam right. this is where i live but i travel a lot to the philippines and indonesia and uh, soon also to south india where the coconuts are we have to produce there where there's a massive amount of coconuts where it's like a processing industry if there's like a few factories processing the, the content of the, the the inside of the coconut the food products and drinks and stuff is where we have to be because there's like a supply chain there's like uh, the roads the, the boats and everything mm. to, to collect the waste material okay so it, it will be mainly an asian operation like the the sourcing the production and the sales right and this may sound like a really stupid question but um with so much travel happening and with you know the separate or disparate markets around the world the is that pulled into your calculations for environmental management yeah see we're very data driven and uh, it's actually not a stupid question it's a good question because the traveling flying has such a high carbon footprint um so also the shipping of the pallets but also our travel expenses how can you do it best and yes, I have to get in the plane so once in a while to do these things. I cannot do everything by a video or a call or mail. And, and of course, let me be frank about it. I also love to go to these tropical places and meet with all these people. <laughs> but see, my task is to, to build the teams, to find the right people to do this with. So I need to travel for that. And I can come up. I have no, how do you say it, like uh, shame for flying. No. I'm not like that. I'm, I'm pretty shameless. Uh, so uh, I have to do what I have to do. I like what I do. If somebody says like, oh, you cannot do this. I I smile and think of myself, fuck you. <laughs> it's very simple. Uh, because, you know, who are you to tell me what I have to do? And because you don't have all the dots, you don't know. And so I don't spend time on people judging me what I should do. And I do what I do. And I think that we're doing the right thing and we're learning. Um, if we can come see what we do compensates a million flights I'm going yeah to, if, if, well that's what I was wondering because yeah. of because of circular economy I, taking it into equation would make complete sense well, yes of course you have to think about it and also see I never go on holidays I don't care about holidays I well, I travel a lot and um Maybe if I go like a very far holiday destination just for pleasure, and then I think like, hmm, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But no, that's a choice that everybody has to make for, for themselves. And, uh, but for example, like the Coca Pellet is very data driven, but my, my, uh, I am too. So for example, like I stopped eating meat like 15 years ago because it didn't make sense. Not only the cruelty, but also the, the health thing, but also the inefficiency of meat. So, and this is after talking to one of my best friends. He was like a monk in the south of India. Great conversations. But after all these discussions, I thought like, oh, wow, we can feed so many more people if we stop eating meat. So then 
it was not like a decision like, oh, I'm going to be vegetarian now. But I found out, hey, last three months, I didn't eat a bit of meat. I lost my interest because this is a mathematical thing. Uh, and don't get me wrong, you know, sometimes if somebody makes a meal and there's meat in it, like I find that more important to appreciate what's given to me, like the thankfulness. Uh, so I eat it with joy and also respect. And I eat every bit of meat as out of respect for this animal. Uh, for this animal. And sometimes I go hunting with a friend of mine in the south of Germany for wild boar because there's an overpopulation. It makes sense. But also me not eating meat, you know, I drive a big Hummer if I want to. I, 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 I'm not doing that. But, you know, my carbon footprint is, is much lower than somebody who eats like a hamburger every day. Yeah. So this is also data. So I'm not greenwashing myself. And, of course, uh, I'm trying to do my best to have, like, to, to, I'm like religious in separating like plastics from glass and paper in my household. These things help. Uh, I think that all small bits help. Okay, we're working on a big game-changing project and it will involve thousands of people. But if somebody's going to the supermarket and make the choices you make in supermarkets, also very important. Do you spend your money on the right thing or, or the, the bad thing? Uh, well, what do you give an incentive to? So small things are important. Every vote is important. Every decision in your consumption is important. And everybody has power with their spending, with their spending power. What would you say if, have been the, the hardest challenges by setting up um, your pallet business? I mean, have, have there been certain aspects of it that you've really gone, wow, that was actually really hard because I've got, had to tie up the ethical or sustainability with the business or has it been really easy and you've just gone actually this has been quite an easy process because it's all made complete sense no it was not easy and <laughs> it took much longer than expected <laughs> so it's really a struggle see so you, uh, you really need to have grit uh, to do something like this and you always have but in a miraculous way there are a few moments that I thought like god we're like rock bottom how Come, we're going to continue this. You have to, but how? And then, in some way, like you pull it off the ground and you build a new machine and you you finance this thing and you put gas in your uh, car and you get it done. So it's also a leap of faith. Mm. And, uh, but oh, there were so many desperate moments that things exploded, or uh, the Chinese that we worked with, the, the very friendly technicians and. They, they were like panicking, like, wow, this thing is going to explode or this thing is so glued stuck, we can never open it again because <laughs> we, were, we were changing some parameters and adding more of the, the glue component of the coconut and then couldn't open the press, for example. And then you can panic, but, you know, see, there, there, there are a few things I learned in the army and one of the things is don't panic. Right. Shit hits the fan. If really everything falls apart, you stay calm. Mm. You assess what's happening, what's going, what's needed to be done, and uh, yeah. So no, it was no easy road, but it, it, it's so far it's very worthwhile walking this road because um, it's, it's it's fun. Mm. And you meet fantastic people, and I think one of the greatest things of being an entrepreneur is that you can choose who to work with. 
And sometimes you make a mistake. I made some mess ups because I listened too much to my to my head. Like, oh, this really makes sense to hire this guy. And then at the end, we thought like, hmm, that was a very bad decision. But then when you know, you know, you have to stop it. You said, okay, hey guys, this is not going to work. It's on me because I took the decision to hire you, to work with you. So never the blame game. And uh, but it, it's you know it's it it's always on me. Everything that fails. It's my responsibility. If things go very well, everybody has done it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, how, going forwards, how do you think you're going to be able to influence change and influence? Um, what kind of what sort of things do you would you like to try and achieve through that? Well, it's basically walk your talk. So we're. See, we're building the factory now. It would be much more interesting to we have the factory and we're building the second and the third. So we show like, hey guys, it really works. It's not theory, it's practice. And then people think, oh wow, it makes sense of using waste and make a product from it. It does make sense to pay a fair price for the farmers. Because that's why we communicate. We're telling the people that we work, work with, like, hey, we have to make uh, the supply chain as strong as possible and as short as possible. So some people who have like traders and things that manipulate and protect the position, we, we understand that, but they don't add value to the chain. So we, so by just, we have the theories and then we have to put in practice and then we can show and uh, have maybe go on a podcast one day <laughs> and say like, hey, this is how we do it and it makes sense. And then, uh, uh, part of my job is to inspire other people, young people, old people, experienced people, like, oh, yeah, this is great. And if these guys can make a pallet, I can make this or that, or I can make car components, or I can make building materials, because we, we also want to make building materials, but we know that's, we never know how long it's going to take. You never can make big margins because you want to make cheap, affordable building materials. So we're building the cash cow, and the cash cow is called Coca Pellet. We can scale it, we can make a margin, uh, it makes sense. And why did I chose the pellet to make from the technique that we uh, we have? Because nobody cares what it looks like. <laughs> it's brown, blue, yeah, red, pink, you know, as long as it's cheap, mm. compliant, and just strong enough. And I love the fact it's so not it's treated because um, I've, I'm a member of a number of tiny home Facebook pages and um, van, you know, living in van um sites and one of the things that comes up quite a lot is don't use wooden pallets because you actually don't know if what they've been treated with and so therefore there's this underlying actually maybe you shouldn't reuse wooden pallets it, it depends see on the next pallet you see like ht which is called heat treatment or mb metal bromide don't use those ones because it's like a toxic um uh, gas that kills like the nerve system of um, of insects, mm. but also when you get it in your system, like like uh, guys who work like in forklift in, in 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 ports, they are exposed to this metal bromide every day. It's getting less because you know it's it's, it's being banned many places, but it adds up and it your nerve system. Mm. So so if you use pellets for interior use, just look if it's like an HT or an MB. And don't use the MB. Right. It's yeah. not good for you. 
And if it's outside, you know, it doesn't really make, make a big difference. But indoors, pellets are not really made for you. For, uh, yeah. uh, but people want to yeah. reuse, though. People love to reuse stuff. <laughs> oh, we support reuse, definitely. <laughs> don't, don't, go, don't kill yourself. Can we, can we get you back in a year's time to um, see where you are and what, you're, what, you, you know, what you've achieved? I have a better idea, you know. When we open the factory, you should come to the Philippines and, and interview us there. That would be amazing. And, and you talk with some farmers and some people who work in the factory. Like, and they say, like, mm, is it really true? <laughs> see, the good thing about um, our industry is that the coconut tree likes uh, warmth, mm. of course, and it likes salt. So it likes the beach. It likes to be close to the coast. So all our factories be very close to tropical beaches. So uh, I'm sure that every journalist uh, will find a great excuse to visit our factories. <laughs> well, you've got some really good kite surfing in the Philippines, so. Yeah, yeah but also wave surfing. There's some great wave uh, surfing spots. And of, of course, I looked at factory locations, but also where is the nearest surf spot? <laughs> I love it. Brilliant. <laughs> and uh, see, I lived for three years in, this, in the, the, island, the island of St. Martin in the Caribbean the Dutch West Indies and very close to the Virgin Islands and uh, you know there were not many waves there but I went swimming every morning and I when I look back that really made me happy six o'clock in the morning put your goggles on swim for 15 minutes run back and then that's the start of the day you think like wow life is so simple and what what else you need and I had a very simple apartment on the beach and it's like what do you need um, sun, wa water, clean water, preferably a friendship and uh, some good food. Yeah. See, we don't have to be greedy. Uh, we just have to take like what makes me happy and how do I take care of the people around me? I'm with you there. Absolutely with you there. Yeah. yeah then, but definitely in a year, maybe a year and a half, come and, and then look us up. And, uh, Brilliant. You can do it by video call, of course. <laughs> so where, where can we find out more about you? Um, you know, have you got websites? Um... Well, see, I, I'm not so much on, I don't have Facebook uh, and I don't do Instagram. And <laughs> I do have LinkedIn, but uh, sometimes I think, oh, I should just delete it uh, because it takes, it takes so much of my time. And um, we have a website, but we tell just a bit about what mm -hmm. we do. The new designs that are completely based on biomimicry. Uh, you see, I mentioned before, nobody cares what a pellet looks like. But the new pellets are based on biomimicry. So we copy the, the nerve, the veins, like the, the, the structure of leaves. Leaves are flexible, they're just strong enough, but they're not thick everywhere. Now they have this, 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 this structure. So we try to copy that, learn from that, and they call it biomimicry. And we made new designs and we put it in the computer animations and we thought, wow, these are much stronger than the ones we had before. We had only curves. Because it doesn't have only curves, it looks very natural. And of course, it still has nine legs. You can use it with a forklift and everything. All these things are the same. But they look amazingly beautiful also. And, and that's uh, by learning by nature. So like, oh, nature has almost four billion years of experience. Everything that didn't work is obsolete. It's gone. And the things that we see and how, for example, our bone structure is made it's so smart it's light strong strong enough it doesn't have to withhold 10,000 kilos no it's just strong enough for daily use and um, 
So nature is so smart in designing things. It's not only like structures, but also the surfaces, the surface of a plant that doesn't, or like the, the insulation value of, of like the, the, the coat of, of some animals. And so in, in our philosophy thing, okay, what's the problem I'm, I'm trying to solve? How does nature solve it? An animal, a plant, or the shape of a bird or a fish? And uh, there's this fantastic website. It's called biomimicry.org. And it's, it's an institute based in Montana. And I had the privilege of going there last September. And just by listening to these people, how they learned from that, it's just, it really makes you happy. But you think, oh, wow, it makes sense. And it's not only smart, it saves energy because nature does things with very efficient in, uh, with energy, with resources, recycling. Because nature doesn't do stupid things. And uh, so we can learn, you just go back and say, oh, how do we do things? How does a cow digest things? Can we copy a cow? Um, so we put grass in a machine and take, take milk out, for example. But what happens in the cow? Um, kind of things uh, like that. And so we use it in our uh, process, but also in our designs. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's, um, it's been really, really interesting listening to you and your insights and what it is you're up to. I can't wait to um, hear more as well. Yeah, well, we're very excited to go and build and, uh, with the local team. And it, it's going to be, and uh, we know we're going to have several problems to fix and things exploding and falling apart. And we just want to be everybody to be safe and get it done. Uh, but yeah, the, the moment that we start getting their first batch of pellets out of those machines that we build there, that, uh, I really look forward do that so much well, you're solving, so yeah keep it, keep it touch. you're Sorry? solving such a um problem that no one knows even exists that's what that's what i love is the fact that people actually don't realize what is going on behind the scenes but you are solving such a good problem well that that's that's the plan and imagine if we have 10 factories uh, making 50 million pellets that's 5 million trees not being cut every yeah. year it's like a massive amounts of of coconuts not being burned you can measure the difference that this is massive and then it's like and then it's just the beginning because every time you start again you think okay now we're going to make building materials we're going to make uh, low-cost sustainable building materials in fiji uh, i served with the fiji uh, fiji regiment in the, the gulf war a long time ago 1991 <laughs> and i'm still friends with these guys one of the guys became a general and i was promised him to visit him I, so I will definitely use this project to go to Fiji and, and start something there. And because if we can make like local units to make local building materials, so they don't, they don't have to import, they can support the local economy. Yeah. Now that's grand and that's fun. And uh, I will never retire. Retiring is dull. Yeah. <laughs> I want to uh, work till the last day with joy on projects like this and, and, uh, and surf, of course. Yeah. You surf? Uh, kite surf. Kite surf. Okay. Yeah. Well, take a kite surf if you come to uh, the Philippines. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. All right. You're welcome. Nice to be in the show. Cheers. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. We created this podcast for you. So we'd really appreciate any feedback you want to give us. 
You can do that by rating and reviewing on your favourite podcast, or for iTunes, visit www.greenelement.co.uk forward slash apple. If you'd like to keep in touch, then we invite you to join our free Facebook community, which is everything to do with sustainable and ethical business. Lots of daily conversations, themes and great ideas. A really great place to work and network with like-minded individuals. If you open Facebook and search for The Green Element, hit the group search function, we will let you write in. All of the show notes, any links, any references to the, on this podcast will be featured on our website, greenelement.co.uk. As a special thank you for listening, please head over to www.greenelement.co.uk forward slash podcast 2018 and you can pick up a free guide on how to green up and environmentalise your business or organisation. That's greenelement.co.uk forward slash podcast 2018. Finally, I would like to thank Ben Chatwin for writing the fantastic opening music. He is an amazing artist with a phenomenal following. It was a privilege he said yes to even write it for us. We look forward to seeing you next week and hope you have a wonderful day.